Hi, welcome to the Firefly Movement podcast. My name is Alyssa Williamson. The Firefly Movement is a group of licensed professional counselors and marriage and family therapists in the Dallas area. We're here to talk mental health. We occasionally like to talk about the Enneagram and we like to interview people who are making a difference in the world to find out how they got in touch with, started developing and using their unique gifts in the hopes that you'll start using yours. You can nominate people that are lighting up your world at our website, fireflymovement.org. Here's the show. Although we're licensed professional counselors, this is just a reminder that this is not a substitute for actual therapy or mental health or medical treatment. So be sure to talk to your doctor about what's right for you. Hi everyone, it's Alyssa. I am so excited to introduce our guest today. We have Kristen Williams. She's a registered dietitian in the Dallas-Fort Worth area and she specializes in treating eating disorders. She took time at 36 weeks pregnant to do this podcast with me, so this is a special thank you to her for taking the time to do that right before she goes on maternity leave. Um, I love talking with Kristen because she's my friend and I've worked with her for years. I trust her with my clients personally. She is one of the first people I started working with when I started treating eating disorders and she's a wealth of knowledge when it comes to her education and expertise in nutrition and what a healthy quote-unquote healthy diet actually looks like and she is a fierce advocate for the health at every size perspective on nutrition she's also a christian and ministry has been a large part of her life and she's very involved in her local church and has a book coming out this spring it's called unworthy weight reclaiming your worth from the number on the scale and finding your true identity in christ i want to let you know that you can pre-order that at her website which is wonderfully madenutritioncounseling.com and I just really hope that you enjoy listening to her today. I know that for me when I went back through this episode, I mean I could just listen to this episode for my own sake because she is so helpful and um, just such a compassionate voice when it comes to dealing with body image and nutrition and eating disorder recovery. So here she is. All right. Well, Kristen, thank you so much for being here and being on the Firefly Movement podcast. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Absolutely. So we met probably three years ago now, I believe, um, because we were working at the same practice. And I remember that you you were... um, I remember you being very cute and coming up and just introducing yourself because you were renting space there. And I think we were the only two in the office. On yeah. Fridays. Yeah, it was really, really quiet on Friday. So we got to spend a lot of a time getting to know each other. And yeah. I had just started treating eating disorders. Mm-hmm. And you were already a seasoned professional because you were over at Eating Recovery Center. I don't and know then... that I was seasoned, but yes. <laughs> no, you were. You were. And um, we're kind of venturing into private practice mm-hmm. for the first mm-hmm. time at that time. So you were kind of one of the people that I got to really um, cut my teeth in treating eating disorders with because we shared a lot of clients early on. And I remember yeah. because you did not plan to go into eating disorders, right? You were doing trauma and eating yeah. disorders just kept coming up. Yeah, and that's a whole, man, that's a whole other story about yeah. how that happened. But um, yeah, eating disorders just kind of kept coming my way. And I, I had already talked to mentors and supervisors about wanting to treat eating disorders and have been reading about it voraciously for a year but I kept feeling like I wasn't ready yeah and then Um, you just jumped right in well and then I had a client that I just had no doubt in my mind that I was came in for something that was not an eating disorder and it was really clear that was what was happening and the only reason why I wasn't treating 
was my own fear where I had supervisors and mentors and everyone telling me I was ready. I had done all the research and learned all the information. Um, and it was just kind of my tipping point was like, okay, I need to go all in on this. And so, and you, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you got to be on that journey with me. Yeah, yeah it's been exciting. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, um, can you tell us a little bit about you? Cause you're a nutritionist, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And with, with, that um do you prefer to go by a nutritionist or dietitian um i'll answer to either one technically it's a registered dietitian okay gotcha so there is a difference as far as like schooling and credentials and things like that okay yeah so i'm a certified eating disorder registered dietitian which is a mouthful yeah but it's important because those are really specific things Mm -hmm. and the work that you do might be different than another person who's a registered dietitian who's not in the eating disorder field, it's right? very different from just your typical traditional dietitian because I am specialized in eating disorders. And so um, a lot of what I do is kind of against the grain, mm-hmm. um, more of anti-diet, um, non-scale focused, health at every size, um, intuitive eating. So a lot of kind of buzzwords that are very much against the norm of a registered dietitian. Gotcha. So when you say anti-diet, mm-hmm. what does that mean? It's a good question. So basically when someone comes in to meet with me, I use across the board, no matter the diagnosis, we're going to use a non-diet approach. Okay. So looking at this idea that diets don't work, 95% of diets fail and lead to weight regain. Um, so looking at this approach of all foods fit, Mm-hmm. And that's how it's very different from your traditional dietitian because you're going to hear in their office a lot of good versus bad foods, eat this, don't eat yeah. that. And so we're looking at the whole, really the whole picture. So not only the eating behaviors and the food, but also the underlying emotional component. Yeah. And that's where working with a therapist um really really comes in handy because we're talking a lot about emotions that pop up I will say me. I've always been really impressive and part of the reason I love working with you is because you are so therapeutic mm-hmm. and you I mean if something's outside of your scope of practice you're not going to try to tackle sure. it yourself but you you do kind of put on the counselor hat with your clients well, and a or lot, of, patients. A lot yeah. of people get confused and say, well, if I'm meeting with a therapist, why do I have to meet with you? What's the difference? And so not only is there a big difference because of our education um, and our scope of practice, but I kind of explained to them, uh, a mentor once told me, you know, meeting with an eating disorder dietitian is like having the patient come in with a big um, knotted up ball of yarn, right? Mm-hmm. And so you pull, pull, pull on the string, you find a knot and say, oh, take that to your therapist. And then we pull, pull, pull on the string. Oh, we found another knot. Take that to your therapist. So almost this idea of, okay, you know, you're struggling with binging at night. This is within my scope to discuss what's going on. And then we get to this underlying emotion. Maybe it's loneliness or anger at an ex-husband or whatever it may be. This underlying emotion causing the eating behavior. Yeah. And we say, ding, ding, ding. Mm. This is something you now need to go take and process with your therapist. Yeah. So it's always nice when someone comes in and is already working with a therapist like yourself. Because <laughs> you don't have to force them to go find yes, yes. find and another it's, person. It's impossible to do without a therapist. Yeah. Well, and similarly, though, when I'm working with someone, people's dietary needs are so different 
And you can speak to that more than I can, but especially in eating disorder recovery, Mm -hmm. I mean, there are people that are having to eat what seems like an insane, to to a normal person would seem like an insane number of calories Mm -hmm. to restore weight. Mm -hmm. Um, Or they may, you know, they may be in a larger body and maybe they're not trying to restore weight, but um, you just, I just can't tell by looking at someone what they're going to need and what, you know, what their nutritional deficits are going to be. And Mm -hmm. so being able to say, hey, there's an expert down the hall, or you can reach her via teletherapy. Right, right. (laughs) Um, Is essential because, I mean, really eating disorder treatment without having a medical team, having a dietitian, having a therapist is not only incomplete, but can be dangerous. Oh, right. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And having everyone, um, you know, a lot of things that they don't teach us that in undergrad and internships and things like that as dietitians is how to be trauma-informed, you know. It's powerful. And so it's very new information, and um, I think it's important to be eating disorder-informed as well, whether you're, um, you know, directly treating a patient with an eating that you know has an eating disorder or not. I had a patient just a couple weeks ago who went to the doctor, said I'm having some trouble sleeping, I think I may have insomnia. In her chart, it was noted that she has bulimia, has been restricting, has been purging, all these things for years, has been in treatment, and he says, well, you need to lose five pounds. Oh my God, are you serious? Before we can talk about it. And so, yeah, just um, the, the look on your face. Yeah, she she oh was super frustrated. I was super frustrated. And so just this idea that, like, that's a traumatic experience in and of itself. And that's why so many people are avoiding health care. Yeah. <laughs> and so the fact that the whole team really needs to be trauma-informed and then using universal precautions. This idea of, like, maybe someone's coming to therapy and they're not saying they have an eating disorder or they don't even know they have an eating disorder but treating everyone in your language that you're using as if they might yeah so that we don't you know heaven forbid we're the ones that trigger yeah absolutely start of one yeah it'd be really easy for that to happen and then I saw a really interesting statistic and I can't verify where this is from but it was saying that some somewhere close to 75 percent of women have disordered eating habits which totally makes sense to me based on how common it is to do just extreme diets these mm-hmm. days. I mean, just the rise of intermittent fasting and keto and things like that that are really, really common. I don't know that people uh, understand, especially because we know now that eating disorders are somewhere between 50 and 70% genetic. Mm-hmm. How easy it is for someone with that genetic makeup or perfectionistic tendencies or trauma history or something like that to slip into an eating disorder when they adopt yeah different absolutely extreme diets well and I think too that the challenge with that is one it's socially acceptable yeah you know you lose weight you spend hours at the gym someone's saying oh you look great you know what are you doing you've lost weight blah 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 it's all positive reinforcement no matter how you got there yeah and the thing is you could be it's no different from I tell people this all the time you know, being at the bar every day after work, pounding back shots. Yeah. In that case, a good friend is going to say, hey, you know, is everything okay? Do you need to talk to someone? Like, clearly it's inappropriate coping. Or or if they're also doing it with you, though, they might reinforce that this is normal and this well, is just what we do. Well, that's true. That's true. So either way, they can if be If you have a diet acceptable. buddy. <laughs> that is true. 
And, and the, yeah. But the challenge is yeah. that a lot of these behaviors are done in the name of health. Yeah. When the reality is they're far from healthy. Yeah, where we all know behaviors. that, you know, taking lots of shots after work is not healthy, even if it's normal well, for right, some people. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So it's really, um, I don't know, I feel like it's really challenging in that regard because you're trying to separate what is the difference between appropriate behavior versus this inappropriate way of coping that is coming out in someone's eating behavior. Yeah. And it's just so normalized. Mm-hmm. The what I mean, the things that we're trying to get people I was doing an assessment the other night and I was sitting there kind of thinking about how normal a lot of the questions um are in our assessments that would be for people to answer yes all the time too, which is just being dissatisfied with your body and mm-hmm trying to change your weight and Mm -hmm. avoiding whole food groups and you know other things like that that we look for and because that is normal for so many people uh it just being in recovery from an eating disorder requires a degree of being countercultural in such a radical way yeah yeah um that i think it's just hard and i think if you don't know this about eating disorders, it would be very, very easy to really hurt someone or not mm-hmm. be helpful in someone's recovery when there are so many people that are dealing with this and yep. in treatment and, you know, needing, needing support. Yeah. And, and yeah. I mean, you're right. Like you can absolutely haunt, you know, harm someone without realizing it because those messages of diet culture are all around us. I mean, billboards, Instagram, you don't have to leave your house yeah. to be bombarded with those messages. Even um, the baby channel at home just drives oh me insane because their commercials are targeted towards postpartum women. No. And they're about weight loss. Um, and so That's yeah. just bullying. It is. It is. So you've got these poor moms staying home, trying to figure out how to do life with a small child. And As though their bodies haven't been through enough. Right, 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 right. You know? And so, um, yeah, I mean, it, it's disgusting. Yeah. <laughs> it yeah. really is. And I think that's where I get so excited from, like, a ministry standpoint. I know we haven't really talked about the ministry realm. Yeah, because your, I... your faith is really important to you, and we're both Christians, and ministry has been yes. a big part of your life here. And it's been, yeah. it's been a big part of my work, and um, and I can talk later about kind of how I got into that, but... Faith is really important to me, and it plays out into into my work. And if, if patients are interested, I kind of bring that into the space yeah. in a nutrition-related you know context. Um, but that's where I get really passionate in ministry is the fact that, you know, as believers, we're called to be set apart. We're called to be holy, which is set apart for the glory of God. Mm-hmm. Yet in the area of body image... We are just as dissatisfied with our bodies mm. as the rest of the world. And I think that that is, you know, and I'm speaking to myself too, but I think that that's yeah. really sad. Yeah. And um, and also convicting at the same time of like, yeah, you know, we, we have this truth um, in regards to worth and identity and um, and, and honestly, in regards to appearance and how important it should be versus shouldn't be and all these things, yet we're blending right in. Yeah. And I've even culture. seen, because I do get a lot of referrals from churches, 
I've even seen people come in that have, maybe it's not from their current church, but have sat under teaching from a pastor that said, and taking, you know, taking verses in the Bible kind of out of context, talking about like your body's a temple, you know, Mm -hmm. things like that, and using that as a reason why the people that are on the worship team or people who are on stage need to look a certain way Mm -hmm. because you need to look like you're, quote unquote, caring for your temple, Right. That is really um, interesting. And really spiritualizing, um, yeah, weight loss dieting, looking a certain way because that's, yeah. we moralize food and moralize fitness. And, you know, when it's in balance, right, like obviously we want to take care of our bodies and we want to eat foods that make us feel satisfied and give us the nutrients that we need and help us to be alert and healthy and, do movement that makes us feel good and allows us to have the function that we need for our life. That's all, we're all on board with that, right? Um, But it's just really interesting to me when it gets twisted like that, where there's this spiritualized aspect that becomes sometimes even overt in teaching that, you know, you should feel guilty over eating certain foods, Mm -hmm. or you should feel guilty if you aren't exercising, or Mm -hmm. if you're not doing the Whole30 in January, or, you know, whatever, whatever those things are. It's really mm-hmm. interesting to me, though, that you said that about, like, the church staff because, I mean, 100%, I agree, it's it's biblical about your body as a temple. Yeah. However, you know, well, what does it look like to steward that body well? Because mm-hmm. there's a difference in self-care versus yeah. self-punishing behaviors, and the truth is... You just can't look at a worship team on stage and assume Mm -hmm. that you know which ones are healthy and which ones aren't, which ones are practicing self-care behaviors, and which ones are practicing self-punishing behaviors. So when we say, well, your body's a temple of the Holy Spirit, you need to treat it as such, I personally believe part of that is not dieting. Because not dieting, (laughs) because dieting is is a self-punishing behavior. And you mentioned the term health at every size, Uh which we use that a lot in the eating disorder community. Uh But could you talk about that for just a minute? Because I think that might clarify what we're talking about a little bit. Yeah, so health at every size is this kind of of new term, I guess I would say. Um, It's becoming more and more popular, more frequently used. Um, A lady named Linda Bacon wrote wrote a book called Health at Every Size. And it's basically just this idea um, that we can't determine someone's health status simply by looking at them. We can't see someone in a larger body and just assume that they are lazy and don't, you know, move their body and that they just sit around eating all day. We just can't make that assumption. Just like we can't assume that someone in a smaller body is uh, a marathon runner who eats Mm -hmm. kale all day. And so it's really kind of this social justice movement where, you know, people can practice healthy lifestyle behaviors no matter what their shape or size, weight loss does not have to be the goal. Quality of life may be the goal. Um, you know, normal lab values might be the goal or looking mm-hmm. at your blood pressure, things like that. Weight loss does not have to be the goal, but that anyone, no matter their shape or size, can practice these healthy lifestyle behaviors. And with the social justice piece, everyone deserves equal um, medical care. Just like that patient I was talking about, those traumatic experiences in the doctor's office is why people are avoiding their annual checkup. Yeah. 
which that's not healthy. No, it's not. <laughs> you know, but people are avoiding those because they're they're going to the doctor and not to not to, um, you know, bash uh, doctors by any means, but a lot of them are. It's a very shaming experience. Well, and I think if you are not in a larger body, you just don't experience it. Right. And, um. You know, it's just it's just really interesting hearing the stories that I get from my clients who are in larger bodies around going to the doctor for a cold mm-hmm. or for maybe it's a serious chronic condition mm-hmm. and weight loss is something that they're asked to look at yep. really consistently. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you're in recovery from an eating disorder, you have a team that's already working right around what food should go in your body and it's a real struggle not to just jump on that bandwagon especially when you have someone you perceive as an authority figure right yeah handing that to you Uh um and so I think that's just where education and having conversations like this is so important because I know the doctors are not intending to do harm they're trying to help their patients absolutely and um and for a lot of us that may have people in our lives that are recovering from an eating disorder or maybe just have an unhealthy relationship with food in their mm-hmm. bodies where they do chronically feel shame around how they look or I mean something I deal with with women all the time they may not have an eating disorder but they may just be chronic dieters and yeah. have been on diets their entire life yep. and carry so much shame because they quote unquote can't keep the weight off mm-hmm. and just talking about the science that over long-term studies, we really just don't have evidence that for most people that's doable. Right, right. And that mean, that doesn't mean that you're always going to be the same weight that you are, but just that the ways that we've tried to manage people's weights historically work short-term. Mm-hmm. But long-term, there's really not evidence that it does work. <laughs> and so, Well, and I think, yeah. that too, you know, people say, well, lose weight, again, in the name of health. Yeah. You need to lose five pounds. You need to lose 20 pounds, whatever it may be. Again, in the name of health. Yeah. Sound like a broken record. But what we see is that weight cycling, so lose, gain, lose, gain, lose, gain, yeah. is actually more detrimental to our health than simply practicing healthy lifestyle behaviors in a larger size body hmm. and your weight not moving. So if your weight stays the same, but you're adopting behaviors like exercise mm-hmm. and getting balanced nutrition. And, and that is, you actually have better health outcomes yeah. than the chronic dieter who has lost and regained the same 50 pounds their whole life. Yeah. Which I can, I know for some people will be discouraging because looking a certain way our society really values that and there's a lot of positive reinforcement about that but I hope that information for a lot of people is freeing that it's possible for you to pursue your health Mm -hmm. regardless of what the scale says Mm -hmm. and I think that anti-diet at you know clinicians and dietitians and eating disorder specialists can kind of get a wrap sometimes that we're not for health because we're pushing people to try foods that may create a lot of fear like there's times that I'm telling people you know what what food are you afraid to eat Mm -hmm. you know maybe we should try that and for Mm -hmm. them it might be something like cheesecake or Cheetos or you know whatever Mm -hmm. whatever those things are for which we know aren't nutrient dense Mm -hmm. we know that Mm -hmm. right um 
But the goal with all of this is for someone to be able to let food be food. Right. And let their body be their body. And take the morality out of it. And just yeah. like you you mentioned, I, I was telling someone the other day, or I had an mm-hmm. intern with me the other day, and I was like, you probably think that this is, like, the weirdest field ever. Because in that same day, I told one person to stop eating so many apples. She was eating, like, four or five apples a day. And I told the other person, you need to be eating Cheetos every single day as your afternoon snack. And I thought, this intern is going to think, this is the weirdest rotation I've ever been a part of. But as But to kind of go off of what you were saying, you know, I try to teach people food is not nutritionally equal. You don't have to have a nutrition degree to know that an apple and Cheetos are not, they don't offer the same nutrition. I I get that. We want them to be emotionally equal though, meaning I can eat the apple and not feel this sense of self-righteousness and I can also eat the Cheetos and not feel this sense of, of, um, you know, guilt and shame. And I think that part of that is biblical because you know, there's a verse in the Bible where Jesus declares all foods clean. Yeah. And he's not talking necessarily about, you know, this clean eating movement. He was talking, I think it was more about um, whether people were washing their hands. I think there was conflict about whether people were washing their hands um, before the meal. And Jesus is essentially saying, it's not what goes into your body that makes you impure. It's what comes out of your body because essentially what goes in gets digested and pooped out, right? And yeah. It doesn't quite say that in scripture, but what comes out, that's matters of your heart. So that's kind of what determines yeah. the cleanliness, not the food in itself. And I think that from a health perspective, because I think you're absolutely right, a lot of people will say, well, eating disorder professionals, they're not really about health. And I would say, well, we are. And the the thing is, like, even with the Cheeto example, if you limit foods and you tell yourself, I can't have this, this is bad, that's only going to set you up for binging behaviors. So we're yeah, really... going to ask you about that. Yeah, and, and I see it all the time. You know, this food's bad, I can't have it. Um, and then who wants to live a life without donuts, right? So then eventually you have a donut, you binge on the donuts, and there's this guilt and shame cycle. So we're, we're promoting healthy lifestyle behaviors, but also helping to empower the patient that they really hold the power and yeah. not those forbidden foods. Yeah. So that they can use them appropriately and not It's just taking a step back from the whole thing and getting out of that guilt and shame cycle Absolutely. that goes on. And I've had parents really frustrated before if I'm treating binge eating disorder which is so common it's so common and it just gets wrapped up into like I'm not disciplined around food or I'm um you know I it just gets turned into this morality thing when it's a true mental health disorder um but I've had parents with kids with binge eating disorder that were really frustrated that I wasn't weighing their child Mm. (laughs) and First of all, I'm a therapist. That's not my role. You know, doctors weigh. I don't weigh. Um, were they saying this in front of the child? I'm just curious. They were not. Okay. But I, I think that that's what's missing is that it's not – like, we're not saying that every person at every weight is healthy, mm-hmm. right? But in order for you to have a healthy relationship with yourself and your body, the morality and the guilt and the shame needs to be dealt with first. Absolutely. Yeah. And after that, we can deal with balance. Right. And we can deal with, okay, 
we really enjoy these foods and some foods are just for fun and that's awesome and Mm -hmm. there's some foods that are going to make us feel a lot better and we're going to eat those too you know um but that if we don't deal with the emotional factor which is so huge around food in our bodies Mm -hmm. that everything else is going to get hijacked yep like yeah. there's no way for us to really be in, like shame is so debilitating yeah. it's so debilitating and it hijacks everything if we don't deal with yeah. that first everything else is going to be it's just going to be another cycle yep. yeah. so it's like that making peace with food has to be foundational because if you, yeah. if you go too quickly to the nutritional piece then that just gets turned into a diet as well and like you said with the shamefulness like shame is not motivating no it's not uh, so for someone, even like from a body image perspective, you know, to to hate yourself or to be shamed for your size and weight, that rarely motivates someone to make healthy behavioral change. So a lot of times I'm working with individuals on, you know what, maybe body love is like super unrealistic or down the road. It sounds great, but I don't know that I'll ever get there. So what does it look like to appreciate your body? Because if mm-hmm. I can at least appreciate my body... I'm, I'm going to take care of something that I appreciate. Yeah. But shame rarely leads us in that direction of self-care. Yeah. Yeah, so. the whole body neutral, body neutrality mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. stuff that's kind of coming up now. Yeah, it's, awesome. I think it's really, I, I nerd out on it quite a bit. It's amazing. <laughs> yeah. So how did you get into this? How did you decide to study to become a dietitian and go into treating eating disorders? So I knew early on that I wanted to work with eating disorders, and I don't know if you knew this, um, but I have my own kind of recovery story. I don't know if we've talked about it. Mm-hmm. Um, I had, So I was diagnosed with an eating disorder at age 13, but beyond that, food and body image issues were just part of my personal story yeah. for most of my life. Yeah. Um, even beyond, you know, even before the diagnosis, even after the diagnosis. Um, so during that time, I met with a dietitian, a therapist, and a cardiologist. And the dietitian is Carol Park, who I'm assuming you know, um, very popular in the area, and she's a great woman. And so we just really, really connected. And going into college, I thought, you know, I want to work with eating disorders, um, but I don't know which route I want to take. I decided to take the nutrition route and become a dietitian. And then I became a dietitian and said, I want to work with eating disorders. Everyone said, keep your mind open. You know, don't be too narrow-minded and consider your other options. And so I tried to do that. And at the end of the internship, I said, I still want to work with eating disorders. Um, People encouraged me to work in the hospital for a year and to get my feet wet and keep that mind open. So I did that. And at the end of the year, I said, I still want to work with eating disorders. Um, So I ended up in outpatient counseling and then transitioned from there. So that was just general nutrition counseling. And then from there, I transitioned to um, working in the treatment facility setting, um, treating individuals at like higher levels of care. And then from there, I transitioned to private practice where I met you. And um, this is the place to be. I love it. Private practice is the dream. It is. It is. And you're about to have your second kiddo. I'm about to have my second child. You're 36 weeks pregnant. 36 weeks pregnant. So if I'm breathing heavy, 
That's why. You don't sound like This it. is my baseline right now. <laughs> it's, you're, doing, you're doing amazing. So I gave so. a presentation <laughs> last week to some students. Oh, that's brave. I said, if I'm breathing heavy, I'm not in labor. This is just my baseline right now. So it's so hard worry. to breathe when you're it's that far along. It's hard to think. It's hard to do anything. So that's why I really appreciate you doing this interview because I really wanted to get this in before before you had your, yeah, your little one here. Yeah, absolutely. I'm excited to do it. Um, there's so many. I mean, I feel like we could go on and on all day about this, but um, you decided that you want to treat eating disorders. Why do you think that this is such an important topic? And what was it about eating disorders where you're like, this is something that I really need to spend my career focusing on? I think part of it is I'm passionate about the idea of Um, our church used to always say this, choosing healing over hiding Mm. and using your story as um, really your testimony. You know, a lot of times people that have been affected by things just end up being really passionate about those things and advocating for, you know, certain um, populations based on that. So I think part of it was that... um, and, and just being able to relate to individuals and have compassion and empathy for them. And then the part of the reason why I'm so passionate about it from a ministry standpoint is because eating disorders can really be a secular place, yeah. a very, very secular place. And um, I just noticed, like, there aren't many resources that combine faith. We you know, we talk about people's values all the time. Yeah, but there aren't many resources where that combine faith and scriptural truth with eating disorder recovery. And so I thought I kind of want to bridge that gap and be yeah. that voice um, because for a lot of people, eating disorders and, and mental health in general, right, boils down to worth and identity. What is my purpose? Why am I here? Do I matter? Yeah. Um, and as a believer, I feel like a lot of those questions can be answered, right? Um, yeah. Through the work of Jesus. And so just being able to kind of bridge that gap. Yeah. And use that space, use that platform for patients who are stating faith is a value. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, not imposing my beliefs on someone else, but kind of bridging that gap. And then also empowering the church that these are conversations that, that we need to have. We need to talk yeah. about eating disorders. We need to talk about body image and, um, you know, fat stigma and all of these things um, because I'm, I'm pretty serious about raising the next generation um, in a way that, that they don't hopefully have to deal with some of the stuff that we're seeing, yeah. you know, right now in our offices. That'd be amazing. So. That's awesome. We'll see. I know my husband thinks sometimes I get a little too into it you know with how we're raising our son or feeding him or oh you can't say this about your body in front of him only positive things <laughs> but um so maybe I am a little sensitive in, in some ways but just really raising this next generation to where you know the the things that we're battling today in regards to food and body don't have to be battled well I think it's one of those things that for someone that doesn't work in this field or if you're a male who has never dealt with an eating disorder there are plenty of males that deal with eating disorders but um I think that women have a unique 
sense of pressure on the way their body is supposed to look. And we're seeing it more for men, where if you look back at films from, you know, the 50s, as far as, like, mm-hmm. the mo- male movie stars, women were still very slender. But, right. you know, men were – it was okay for them to be a little doughy, you yeah. know? Yeah, It was fun. And now guys are under the same kind of pressure to have an eight-pack or whatever. Yeah. My son, who, when he was in kindergarten, came home one day telling me he needed to have a six-pack. And I was like, where are you learning this? Yeah. That this is the expectation for your life. You know? Well, even the and, little figures, yeah. like the G.I. Joe figures, or looking mm-hmm. at Superman, like the figurine from the 70s. I've been to presentations where they show them, this is what Superman looks like in the 70s, and this is what he looks like now. And it's like, whoa. Yeah. He's ripped. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and so they feel they can feel a lot of pressure there too. But women, historically and currently, still do. I mean, our levels of dissatisfaction around our bodies are just mm-hmm. through the roof. Yeah. It's. I was talking to a psychiatrist who was assessing um, someone, and she told me that she had never had a teenage girl say that she was happy with her body. And that's really powerful. Never. And... Um, so it, it's just, that's the level that we're at where mm-hmm. it's just totally normal for us to just really hate ourselves mm-hmm. and it's not healthy yeah. and it doesn't help us accomplish anything. Mm-hmm. We have so many other things that are so much more worthwhile yep. for us to be doing with our time. And I think that from a spiritual warfare place, that's exactly where the devil wants us. Yeah. And then also from generation to generation, you know, a lot of people, someone said that, you know, poor body image or something is like a hand-me-down from one woman to the next. And obviously we've talked about how yeah. men are not immune, but I mean, it's so true. And the thing is, it doesn't have to be that way. But some yeah. people you meet with, they say, well, well, my mom, she, she drug me to Weight Watchers with her yep. and all of these things. And now I don't know what else to do with my daughter, but to take her to Weight Watchers with me. And so the realization of like, it doesn't have to be this way. And yeah. we can actually help to empower people to change that, you know, change the status quo. Yeah, absolutely. Because heaven forbid, you know, my daughter who will be here soon ever see me saying well I don't want a picture of me on the beach with my family you know I'm embarrassed of my body it's like those thoughts need to be pushed back and I need to smile because that's the memory that I want my kids to have yeah and learning learning to change the channel in your brain and to just get in the picture and I can't tell you how many pictures because I mean I think I don't know if I've talked about this on the podcast yet either but people that work with me and follow my Instagram Um, or know me personally, know that I survived an eating disorder in high school as well. Mm -hmm. And I look back at pictures of me when I'm 15, and I thought, I thought my body was terrible. Mm -hmm. I thought it was so bad. Mm -hmm. I look back, and I'm like, there was nothing wrong with that girl. Mm -hmm. There was nothing wrong with her. And then think about all the mental time and energy that was wasted. Yeah, exactly. And even now, my my oldest is seven, and I've got a nine-month-old, and I look back at pictures postpartum with him, and I'm thinking, like, oh, man, that was really bad. I'm like... Uh, yeah, I was a new mom. Of course I looked like that. Yeah. That's how it is, you know? Yeah. And just the perspective that you have when you get to step away from it. Mm-hmm. And once you see, going back to kind of like your husband's comments, once you see those themes and see how our culture is focused, mm-hmm. or as we call it in the eating disorder world, diet culture, mm-hmm. um, once you see it, you can't see it. Yep, yep. And he just may not see it because he hasn't had to engage yep. with it as much. Right. But once you see it, there's really no going back. Yep. I think you're exactly right. He's seeing it more, though, because he'll tell family, 
you know, they'll say, well, Kristen, I'm, I'm low carb. Aren't you, aren't you, um, proud of me? I'm low carb. He said, she's not that kind of dietitian. So <laughs> slowly. I can't imagine learning. the comments you get with that. Oh, yeah. I remember one year I had someone try to get me to do the whole 30 in January. And I'm not saying that people that do the whole 30 are bad or that that's wrong for them or anything like that, but it is a diet. And I was just like, I'm not doing any more diets. I'm not yep. doing it. Um, and they're like, it's now or never. And I said, well, it's going to be never. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm just done. End of conversation. And that's it. I'm just not doing it. Because even that's a morality thing. Well, am I not whole on day 31? Like, what does that even mean? <laughs> you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. But, yeah, it's really interesting. And like you said, we could go on and on. But um, I don't know. It's just something I'm really passionate about. And I think that there is a need there. And so I'm just really encouraged to see people like you yeah. even if you didn't mean to end up here um you know just I think the Lord had something to do with it yeah. like it was definitely for me again coming from my my perspective is that I am a Christian and um it, it felt like something that God was asking me to do at that mm-hmm. time and it definitely went it was it was a big turning point in my life yeah. choosing to do that yeah yeah it's fun yeah. So with the Firefly Movement podcast, we talk about people that are bringing light into into our world, and you're one of them, which is why we're having you here. Well, thank um, you. But who's someone in your life that has kind of lit the way for you when it mm-hmm. came either to your work or is just lighting up your life right now? Mm-hmm. I would say basically just because of the conversation that we're having today and kind of reflecting back on how I got here, I'd probably say Carol Park. Just because, and we don't talk a whole lot regularly, um, we just see each other at networking events and things like that, but um, she's just one of those people who, when I really start reflecting on how I got to where I am today as a dietitian, I think, you know what, I don't remember anything she taught me about nutrition. Like, I really don't. I remember being on a meal plan, and that's about it, and eating these little cheesecake bites, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's about as far as my memory goes. But I remember the way she makes me feel, that she made me feel. And I know um, that's so cliche, but I try to remind true, myself though. of that. It's you know? so true. And, and yeah, and now being in this position and treating patients, I think, you know what? Just like that saying goes, you know, they don't care about how much you know until they know about how much you care. And so really allowing myself to be human, of, I don't have to have it all figured out. I just have to like sit in this space with them. You know, and so um, I think that, in a way, she taught me that. So I would say Carol Park. If she ever listens to this, she'll be like, we don't ever talk. What are you talking about? I'm your firefly. Oh, we're going to need to send it to her. Yeah. But, yeah. That's amazing. I love that. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for taking time right before you have this baby to to be on our podcast. And once you get back from maternity leave and are all settled, we'll definitely have to do something like this again and dig into some to some other topics because you have so much knowledge that the world could just use and use as a resource but oh we didn't even talk about your book you have a book coming out we can wrap up talking about it yeah you've got a book coming out we need to talk about where people can find you okay um so real quick i have a book coming out in the spring which i guess technically we're kind of rolling into um but spring of 2020 and it is called unworthy weight um, reclaiming your worth from a number on the scale and finding true identity in Christ. Wow. Mouthful. Um, and that is just kind of combining scriptural truths with eating disorder treatment and personal testimonies. And I'm really excited about it. And you can find that book 
um, at www.wonderfullymadenutritioncounseling.com. That's my website. Um, you can follow me on Facebook at wonderfullymadenutritioncounseling.com and um, on Instagram at wonderfullymadenutrition. Awesome. I think that's it. That's so exciting. I can't wait to have that for a resource for my clients yeah. and to just be able to give to people. They say it's like having life. a baby. So I'm like, you know what? It's Two like babies. twins this year. It <laughs> is. That's a no joke. You're so busy. I'm not sure which one's going to be harder to birth. But Did you plan that? We were just, you know. Oh, not at all. Two for one deal? Not at all. But I'm like, well, dang, we should be taking like newborn pictures of both because they say, right. You should. Publishing a book is like having a baby. <laughs> Uh, you definitely so, should. You need to. You need to celebrate that when yeah. it when it happens for sure. I know that we'll be excited to have it. Yeah, I'll keep you yeah. posted. Awesome. All right. Well, I hope everything goes well. We'll, we'll definitely talk again soon. Thanks for having me. You've been listening to the Firefly Movement podcast. If you know someone who's bringing light into the world, you can nominate them to be on our show at our website, fireflymovement.org. Also, please like, subscribe, and leave us a review so more people can find us. See you next time. Mm